From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair podcast. It's Monday. Zach, let's get into it. I know you've been drinking a lot. What <laughs> what have you been drinking? Oh my god, what are you my Tell doctor? Us. Come on. <laughs> No, it's it's not untrue. Uh, it, it's been a, a busy little over a week for me of drinking. So, so every other year, my dad hosts a wine centric lunch, early dinner, supper. I don't know. I whatever whatever meal. What do you call a meal you eat at like three thirty? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not Dunch. like you know a holiday meal. That is, without getting into the story, which is too long to recount on the podcast, um, started with an experience that he and I had uh, doing some wine tasting in Walla Walla a number of years ago and has kind of morphed into this um, every other year event, which is mostly family, some friends, etc. And so just drank a lot of really good wine at that. Um, I think without listing everything, kind of the two standouts for me. Um, one was a 2010 Valtellina Superiore from Arpepe, one of my favorite producers. Uh, so this is Nebbiolo, but grown in Valtellina in Lombardy instead of in Piedmont. And then the other was a bottle of 1971 Um Ooh. So always fun to get to drink wine older than me from Chateau Soudra. One of the better producers there, not quite uh, Dechem, which is the one that everyone <laughs> goes Ape four, which you know, yes. understandable, but still really nice, fun way to wrap up the the whatever the meal was, whatever you would call it. That was great, and then I think the other, I mean, other highlights <laughs> among apparently my veritable binge um, <laughs> was I taught a daiquiri class the other day, and oh. um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I've done a few of these, focus on kind of classic cocktails in particular. I think some classic cocktails that maybe don't get the shine they deserve maybe or just people are weirdly unfamiliar with and i think yes. the daiquiri really fits the bill there Agreed. uh it's fun because i got to play with a few different versions of it from the sort of very classic formulation to a couple that were sort of one that was sort of i'd say like pineapple uh inflected and one that was more pineapple forward uh and then i did make a hemingway daiquiri even though it's not my favorite drink and uh <laughs> some blackberry daiquiris for people because you know it's blackberry season here and that's a fun thing too so you love the blackberries i do it's you know there there are a lot of things i love about living here but one of the best things is that they're just these incredible like this time of year they're just incredibly delicious blackberries just like everywhere you can just like walk out your door and pick them pretty much mm. like literally in my neighborhood they're around the corner from my house just like some weeds but with benefits so that's awesome it is really nice uh unless you're trying to remove them and then they're a nightmare Uh, but that's not my problem they're not in my yard so (laughs) yeah how about you joanna have you been drinking some maybe not at my levels i've been drinking some but nothing like exceptional i'd say i had a few cocktails over the weekend i tried a coffee old-fashioned canned cocktail Okay. That I got from the office from uh, Hockstetter's Slow and Low, I think is the brand. And it's it was good. It was very strong. You mean like boozy or coffee strong? Both. Okay. <laughs> it needed some dilution and that okay. helped. But uh, I thought that it was pretty interesting. Um, I had a tequila mezcal cocktail. Um, we went out for drinks for, to celebrate our anniversary. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And um, that was okay. <laughs> and um, we brought Mac with us. So it was a very quick drink. Yeah. And then had one of my favorite drinks, an Añejo Old Fashioned, that I made uh. for myself. I don't know why I just really enjoy that drink so much. And I need to get some chocolate bitters 
because that's how I first had it and it was just exceptional. So yeah, so uh, that's that's what I've been drinking. But hopefully, uh, hopefully more more to come. <laughs> Besides, of course, your Chinar spritzes over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Cool. So to set up today's episode, <laughs> um, so th- those of you who are listeners are probably mostly readers of the site as well. Obviously, on Fridays, we talk about what we've been reading. And I, I did not mention one thing that I read on the site last week um, because it was going to be the subject of this episode. And it was uh, the Ask Joanna column, which uh, <laughs> if you haven't noticed uh, with Adam on leave, Joanna has taken over. Um, I love that they're all titled Ask Adam, Ask Joanna, which is, <laughs> I feel like, kind of how things probably go in the Vine Pair office a lot. Someone's like, Ask Adam, and they're like, no, no, no Ask Joanna. Anyhow, <laughs> that digression aside, the the prompt was basically like, uh, can I share a negative review of a restaurant on Instagram? And I kind of disagree with what you wrote. Okay. Um, not like vehemently, but I think that I guess I would I would say that maybe there's a little bit of it depends in in this, and maybe yes, you know if you're sure. a person who has you know five hundred thousand Instagram followers, the response might be a little different than if you're you or me. But I kind of you kind of like don't do it unless it's like a big national chain or something like that. Yeah. But to me, I actually kind of think that. If you would tell a person who you know that like you had a bad experience at that restaurant, I think it's okay to post something about it. I think it's okay to say, hey, we went to such and such a place and like, you know what? We wanted it to be this way and it wasn't. And that's a bummer. And I agree with what you write in the piece and what Adam has written before and what I've said on this podcast before, which is like, it's also good if you have a bad experience to like let the restaurant know, give them a chance to kind of address some of it. But like... I don't think it's I don't think it's right and I, and I have a few different reasons to say this why to like only put stuff on your feed if it's good. Okay. Or at least I don't think you should feel obligated to to to, to curate your feed that closely. <laughs> but wouldn't it be weird if you like posted onto your feed that something was bad? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider your Instagram feed for, maybe. I mean, if you're the kind of person who only wants to present a sort of veneer of, like, everything is great all the time, don't you wish you were living my life? Then, yeah, then don't do that. But I think those people wouldn't do this anyhow because it would, of course, shatter the illusion that they are the center of the universe that all things revolve around. But for the rest of us who maybe consider our Instagram feeds or social media feed of choice to be, like, you know, a somewhat polished version of our lived experience... I like I said, I think there's a place to be like, hey, you know what? I I ordered this burger and it came out, you know, I ordered it medium rare and it came out well done and the french fries were soggy and like they were uninterested in my complaints or or whatever the experience <laughs> you have is. Again, you know, Adam certainly has no compunctions about airing out grievances with the restaurants on this year podcast and we have heard from those of you who wish we did more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Adam will be back soon. I'm sure he has just a laundry list of complaints to share with the world. And we are eagerly anticipating I'm waiting that. for it. Yes. But I will say that I do think that there's something to be said about. Yeah. But like, I'm not again, I don't mean that you should put the restaurant on blast because like it took them two extra minutes to seat your table. But like, I think my attitudes on this have changed is I think really what I will say. Because I think that that in the same way, you know, weirdly, this ties back into the conversation we were having about influencers last week, which is about how, like, I don't think it's right for restaurants to be like, uh, social media, like, what a 
what is this strange thing? Like we've all lived it for a decade plus now, and you have to be adept at handling these kinds of things in some sense. And like, sometimes that's about checking your mentions and like responding to people and being like, we're really sorry. Like we wish you'd had a better experience. You know, maybe you'll come in and give us a try again, or maybe we can make it up to you somehow. But I I just think that this idea that like the only way you can post about things is if they're good. I'm just not sure I, I buy it, but, but obviously you disagree, Joanna. Yes, I do. I, and I think, like you said, there, there are, it depends right there. I think that there are different levels of this. And I guess what I was trying to say with my response is that I think we all know of people out there who love to complain (laughs) publicly about things Mm -hmm. on their social media channels. And yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I just don't I don't think that's a good look. Maybe if your if your social media ethos is like you only shit post and your whole feed is just like the shitty meals you've had and all the bad experiences you had then and and that's what you're, you know, trying to do, then sure, fine. Go for it. But yeah, I don't know. It feels weird if you're trying to curate a feed on Instagram and you have all these beautiful dishes and drinks and stuff that you've posted and then suddenly you have this like overcooked burger and you're posting it with the explicit purpose of you know criticizing the restaurant that served it to you that just feels weird and unnecessary and out of character I guess it's more like yeah isn't it doesn't it feel a little unnecessary to kind of use this platform for that when there are other ways to approach it? But however, if you have complained to the restaurant and you have emailed them and you go back and have a similar experience, or like you said, they don't care about your complaints, then sure. But I just feel like it takes a certain like drive or yeah, like passion for somebody to, to feel so uh, grieved that they should take to social media to share those experiences with people. Like, what's the point? Well, okay, so here here's an example where I think there is some merit to it. Okay. So I think we've talked on the pod a number of times about how a certain sets of restaurants that are opened or bars or whatever that are opened are are almost building their whole brand around being like looking good on social media, right? Like the everything from the decor of the space to the way the food and the drinks looked, et cetera, is like meant to be photographed, videoed, et cetera, and like shared in that regard. And I think that in those cases, if the things that you are being served do not live up to the hype, mm-hmm. I think there's merit in being like essentially like debunking kind of the hype and being like, look, you know, this drink looks really cool, but it actually tastes bad. And putting that on social media can be a way to get that information to more people so that maybe they're not, I don't want scammed is a strong way to put it, but they're not like disappointed by an experience that isn't what they think it should be. And that uh, a social media landscape where the only thing that they're seeing is, oh, this place is the best. And everyone is kind of just like breathlessly reciting this level of like hype. You know, sometimes it's important to kind of puncture that. and. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think like I don't think you should go into some like small mom and pop restaurant and like shit on them just because like, oh, man, you know, I don't know. Something wasn't quite the way I wanted it. I, I think like everything that that you do in a public space, like you should you know think about what 
consequences it might have for you, for the people you're like <laughs> taking aim at potentially. But I think that there are plenty of these places that open with this sort of breathless social campaign that can't or don't live up to it. And like, I think it's okay to sometimes like take them down a peg if that's how you actually feel. I don't think you should go in there like aiming to come away aggrieved. That's a, just a shitty way to live your life. Like if you're <laughs> looking for disappointment, then I, I assure you, you will find it. But at the same time, again, I just, you know, some, some of you listening might be the kind of people who, who really want their Instagram feed to look a certain way. And then if that's the case, then yeah, don't take a photo of the like, weird gray like steak you were served or something like that's you know but for the but for other people who see that as being you know whether it's that your followers are more people you actually know in real life or there's just a different you know you just have a different kind of approach to it like in the same way that i think it's like i mean this is a weird digression but maybe you'll follow me here joanna i think there's a kind of person who posts about their kids on social only in one light, which is like, <laughs> look at how angelic my child or children are. And they're the kind of person who only posts another light, and they're like, I fucking hate my kids, more or less. And I think it's probably good to have like a balance. I mean, sure. maybe not so much hating your kids, but like maybe they post more about like how hard parenting is and like facts, it is hard. But I think that, you know, if you want to kind of, for lack of a better word, give give a, uh, a an honest vision or view into what you know, parenting is like, you kind of show the good and the bad. And there's a lot of both, um, depending on, you know, circumstances and stuff like that. And restaurants and bars too, like, not everything that you have, not everything you eat and drink is going to be great. And obviously, maybe you prefer to highlight the great and ignore the bad on social. And that's your prerogative. But I don't think people should feel like they're doing something wrong if they don't only post positively. Hmm. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. We so rarely actually disagree. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just think like, okay, so surely you have subpar drink, like dining experiences or you drink wine that isn't amazing, but you're not like, I assume, and maybe I'm incorrect in assuming this, like the bottles that you're posting to Instagram of wine, like are the ones that you care to share with your followers you're not going to like share a bottle that you thought was like kind of meh and because and be like hey this was kind of shitty <laughs> or like i didn't love this one that's um, actually really interesting because i agree with you <laughs> yeah but i've always pitched that to myself or i've always thought of that as myself because like in a way like you and i don't have you know w this is our industry and so there's an element of like i i think it i think if you work in and around the trade, maybe, yeah, you would be less like, I wouldn't necessarily post about like a bad dining experience I had because I might end up working with those people in the future. And I don't really <laughs> want to make enemies just for the sake of making enemies. Um, unless it's really egregious. Like, obviously I think if you have like really like aggressively bad or abusive service or you're harassed or something like that, like those are important things to share in a variety of ways, not just on social media, because that's like, more than just oh, my food wasn't what I wanted it to be or my drink was a little like over diluted or something, but like I was made to feel unsafe or unwelcome or whatever. And that's a totally different kind of thing. And obviously that sort of thing should be shared if you are comfortable sharing it. But I do think that at least for me and I, and I assume kind of for you, there's an element of like having to balance what I do for a, a living with my social media feed. And so in that regard, yeah, I don't always, I mean, I don't post 
all of the bad wine I try because like, I just am not interested in bringing a bunch of like the things I, the, the things I don't post are conspicuous by their absence. I guess I'll put it that way. Like if I don't post about it, I probably didn't like it sure. um, most of the time, but that's not necessarily something that I, that I personally feel like I need to put in the world as much as I think. But I think like if people listening to this who are not like in the trade, just people who enjoy drinking wine, if you have a shitty bottle of wine, like I don't think you should be a, like feel bad about being like this wine sucked or it wasn't <laughs> what I wanted it to be. or like it was $75 and I wish it was, I poured half of it down the drain or I don't know, like that information is kind of useful for people to have out there. Yeah, it is. But I don't know. I think there are other ways to get that information. And mm-hmm. like you can look these things up and look at sites that review the wines or, you know, ask your friend who's a pro or something like or, at, you know, like back to the restaurant thing where they're kind of designed with Instagram in mind or like these really you know, crazy dishes like pepperoni cups and ranch dip, you know, like that people are constantly Instagramming, like, I don't know, I'm sure you could find out through various outlets, if if that is good or not, or worth it or not. Um, But maybe it is through social media, but other but from strangers. And so maybe that is, that's what we're talking about here. But see, that's really interesting to me, because I I would wonder, and this might be a really interesting point if you, any of you listening have feedback on this. You know, one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of decades is a rise of an interest in, let's say, crowdsourced, you know, reviews and things like that, right? Yelp being the most obvious example in terms of like food and drink, you know, establishments, but, you know, other things like whether it's Google or TripAdvisor or all these other places that allow just sort of anyone to leave a review and, you know, whether or not that person knows what they're talking about is not really a factor. But I do think that that the reason, one of the reasons why those have been appealing to some amount of diners, drinkers, consumers, etc., is because I think there is this conception and something that we a little bit touched on in the influencer episode is about how, you know, people who's profession who are professionally reviewing restaurants and bars may be looking for a certain different kinds of things than the average diner or drinker mm-hmm. in some ways and or you know it's hard to know and this is certainly true about influencers as well right not not just about people who are professional you know journalists or whatever it can be hard to know sometimes whether you know again whether the sort of positive comments are only being made because they're the only the only thing that that person feels okay sharing you know what I mean? No. What do you mean? Well, I think I think in other words, like if a person subscribed to the notion that even if it's just for people like you and me who do kind of work in this field, that like you probably shouldn't post negative things about a place you dined or a wine you had or whatever. So if you post, you're probably going to lean into the positive or at least, you know, maybe yeah. be sort of neutral in your assessment of it. And maybe that does to some people come across as being like a little bit insincere and maybe there's a an appeal of the sort of seemed sincerity of a person who is not makes no bones about their experience, positive or negative. I don't know. I mean, I I think I don't think it's necessarily the case that many people are making decisions about where to dine or drink by just kind of like going to a restaurant's Instagram page and like functionally like scrolling through their mentions or whatever. I don't think that's actually how Instagram works, but sorry, I'm old. <laughs> 
but I do think that there is something about, you know, especially if you have like a, a social media network that's like good size, but not enormous, where if, you know, you see someone that you follow post a negative response or a negative review to an experience, like you probably weigh that pretty heavily. And that's why I don't think you should be going out of your way to post negatively. But I think that sometimes that can be a useful word of mouth. And just social media is how word of mouth spreads these days. It's not just, oh, man, we went to this restaurant. And let me tell you, it was fucking terrible, (laughs) Um, which you should still do. It's very fun to bitch about restaurants with your friends and family (laughs) and podcast co-hosts, depending on who you are. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I guess my approach to this question was kind of coming from that place where, you know, when I was when I started out in in publishing and I was a lowly editorial assistant opening the fan ma- opening the mail, not the fan mail, just the <laughs> mail in general, and would get some like pretty scathing <laughs> notes from readers being like, I got up off of my hammock to come and write this note to you to let you know how much I hated this story, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just I think if you it, it's the kind of that mentality like you're so driven and so inspired by this bad experience or a bad reaction that you're having to something to like tell somebody or tell the people who did it <laughs> um that I just uh, yeah, maybe there's value in it for others, but I just I just find it so obnoxious. And yet, I feel like it can't be ignored that I'm fairly confident that like the the restaurant reviews that get the most eyeballs are the negative ones. Oh, of course. I'm pretty sure I said in the column, there is an audience for your complaints, for your shitty posts, for sure. That's something where you just like kind of like to watch the dumpster fire, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think it depends on who's being reviewed negatively. I mean, I can't help but immediately think of the Pete Wells review of the Guy Fieri restaurant in Times Square. And like, I think there were a lot of people, especially at that point in time, who were like, happy to watch someone beat up on Guy Fieri. (laughs) Maybe they feel differently now. I don't really know. I I do think that like negativity, like negative criticism can be fun to write. It gives you a lot of space to be expansive in your in your descriptions and you know there's a lot of of, and and it can be you know we can all kind of enjoy it i mean i think we all enjoy the occasional critical thrashing of something be it a movie or a a meal or who knows what a book etc true and i certainly think that i 100 percent agree with you that like leaning into negativity and especially when you're really you know it's almost more about like and this is i think a thing you do mention in the in the piece to be fair is like if you're punching up, it's not such a big deal, right? If you're saying, I had a shitty meal at this restaurant that's like, you know, three Michelin stars and all that, like, I think there is space for that, right? Because the the expectation in a place like that is so great. Mm-hmm. You know, you're paying a lot of money. And if it's not good or it's not what it should be, like, I think that is a valid thing to criticize and a valid thing to put on your socials and to put out there for people. If you're like, I went to this three-star Michelin or one-star Michelin restaurant and it fucking sucked for these reasons, like, you know, et cetera. Great. Or I mean, I don't know great, but like, I think that is a very valid thing to talk about. I think if, again, if you go to the, like your neighborhood bar and you're like, you know what? The gin and tonic they served me was a little weak and <laughs> let me spend 
you know, let me post five times about it. Like that's that's more a you problem than a them problem. Yeah. Have you ever like written like not necessarily in publication form, but like have you ever done like it left like a negative Yelp review or something like that anywhere? Gosh, I don't I don't think so. But but that also just like I'm not the kind of person who's motivated to go and do it. And we are like right now we are constantly being prompted to like rate things and do surveys right i think we talked mm-hmm. about this i don't know i think and we i think we've discussed internally maybe that there is a certain generation that likes to take surveys and likes to give feedback more than others mm-hmm. i just i'm happy to give a good review and i'm happy to rate something that i enjoyed but if i didn't i'm like no i don't do you it just opt out yeah i opt out I'm like, why am I going to spend any time doing this? I didn't have a good time, you know? Fair enough. What about you? I have left a couple. I mean, it's pretty few and far between. To me, it's more about sometimes the act of writing something critical is cathartic for me. It like is like almost like a therapeutic way to work through a bad experience. Yeah. Um, and I think there's one or two places that I've left bad reviews for over the years where, again, I think like, if anyone is reading them and is like dissuaded from going to this place because it's really not worth your money, then maybe I feel like I've done some small bit of good, at least from my, where I sit. But, you know, again, like I said, I I try to, you know, having been in and around this industry for a long time, it's not really where I tend to be publicly critical because it just is awkward, which maybe I should be okay with that awkwardness if something's really bad. And there are people who do work in our industry who are quite willing and welcome shitting on other people yeah. whether they should or not and at the same time i think that uh for me it's often more about like sort of adjacent things like if you go to like um i don't know i can't even remember any examples but like a hotel or something where just like oh you know the room was advertised like this and then i got there and the bed was rock hard and half the size and the you know there <laughs> was a, a a bowling alley both above and below my room like <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference, kids. I'm sorry. Again, (laughs) then I do think that like there's space for maybe providing a very, very, very small public good and leaving honest criticism. Constructive criticism. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's I don't know if there's a lot that can be done with um, please remove the bowling alleys both above and below this room. But um, (laughs) anyhow. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so desperate to know, actually, Adam's take on this. Yeah. And if you have negative or positive criticism for us you can give it to us <laughs> you could put it on social media some of you do but also you could leave us a review we love those especially yes. if they're good and of course you can email us podcast at vinepair.com or you can find us on social media the the handles are all at the end of the or on the uh, you know the episode description so you can mm-hmm. find them there yes you can c- complain to us directly there yep zach good chat uh, I love when you have a hot take about my <laughs> <laughs> my column. Just you wait till you see what I post on Instagram about oh it. Oh, God. Okay. Um, but yeah, have a wonderful week, and I will chat with you on Friday. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. 
and now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire Vine Pair staff and everyone who's been involved in making Vine Pair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.